Bibles, would you take them and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6. The, the, the book of Matthew chapter 6. And it's intentional why I'm having you turn, turn there to, to chapter 6. Uh, hold there. It'll be some minutes before we actually get there and read from it. So, but just, just be ready. I want you to see the text that we're going to read here. Uh, about three weeks ago, no, exactly three weeks ago, I began sharing what, what the Bible says, what the Bible says about, about going the distance in our walk with Jesus Christ. I began sharing what the Bible says about going the distance in our walk with Jesus Christ. You see, we're on a journey. If you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have at some point in your past recognized your need for the Savior and surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then you began a wonderful journey. And, and for some of you, that may have been decades ago. For some of you, it may have been on Friday. I don't know. But you begin this journey in following Jesus Christ and, 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 and this, this wonderful journey, this adventure and there is, I, I promise you if, you, if you're just new into this, some of you who have been serving Christ for some time, you know this already, you will never experience a greater adventure in life. You cannot experience a greater adventure in life than following the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it really, I mean, it's not just, yes, I got religion. No, you begin an adventure in walking with Jesus Christ. It's a great journey. And I began sharing about going the distance and and and. and to begin with, and very, very quickly, I, I referenced two Christians in, recorded in the Bible who were alongside the Apostle Paul. Paul was like one of the first missionaries. And two of his co-workers, people that traveled with him and ministered alongside of him, I, I referenced their stories. Two men who began following Jesus Christ. We don't know how they began. We don't know the circumstances of their coming to Christ, but we know that they were following Jesus Christ. One man, the Bible records, his name was Luke. One man, he went the distance and he was greatly used of God. The other man, the other person recorded, his name was Demas, he, the other person recorded, he failed to go the distance and he abandoned what God had for him. So it's, it's this 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 stark contrast of these two people who have somewhat of a common background in coming to Christ and serving alongside Paul, but then at a certain crossroads they go divergent ways. And, and it's, it's, a bothersome, it's a bothersome text, but their stories, here's the thing, their stories um, with, with, with names and, and details changed are repeated still today. People surrender their lives to Christ. They, they come to Him, right? They, all, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of, of hang-ups, all kinds of baggage, we all have it or had it. And, and, and all of the things that we could, we could list and all of the things that we could recount of what happened but then we come to Jesus Christ. He powerfully saves us as we surrender our lives to him. He begins to clean us up. He forgives us completely so that if we were to die, we go to heaven. But then he begins to change us. He begins to work on us. 
It's a wonderful thing. People still come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of those who come to him serve him. And they, they grow in him or they mature in him or they grow up in him. And I don't mean that in a condescending way towards those who do not, but, but there are people who mature in their walk with Jesus Christ. They grow, they grow in him with ever-increasing passion. This morning we sang about more love and more passion. We're not talking about passion in the way that our world usually uses it, but rather, I love to see people who are passionate in their faith in Jesus Christ. I love to see people who are excited about their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to throw this in. I love to say, when, or I love to hear when I ask someone, tell me about your relationship with the Lord, they go to what happened last week rather than the point of their salvation that happened in 1900 and something or 2000 and something. That their relationship with Christ is more than simply a date in the past, but it's his presence in our presence. It's something that happened last week, not last decade or in the last century. And then those people who have that passionate living relationship with Jesus Christ then go on and they make a difference in the people around them. And that's that's how it's supposed to be, right? We come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we become wonderfully exposed to him, and then we, we go out and we expose, I mean that in the right way, we are exposed to other people. And they too see something in us that they know isn't us. They know it's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how it's supposed to be. I briefly, I mentioned a moment ago, I briefly uh, listened in to some of the sessions in uh, the Love Life Women's Conference. Man, it it, it was good. I I mean, I just got like a a little bit of a taste of it, but it was good. And on, on those sessions that I stepped into and listened into, uh, th- there were these godly women of varying ages who were sharing with other godly women what Jesus had done in them. They were sharing some powerful insights into Scripture that really, because it's, it's the Holy Spirit that was doing it, created some aha moments in people's lives. Do you know what an aha moment is? It's like when you see truth, you go, aha, And this light turns on in your life, and you go, I'm never going to be the same because that's a powerful truth. And these women were sharing that, and there were some aha moments, and and some of them were sharing out of their experience, and and, and some out of their pain, out of the pain of their past. And not only what, what, what the world had taken from them or what the enemy had taken from them, but what God had restored. And and as these godly women were sharing. They were affecting, they were, they, were being, they were exposing the Spirit of God to other people around them. That's how it's supposed to be. People come to Christ, they grow in Christ, they live for Christ, they share Christ with other people, and they go the distance. And yet there are others who begin following Jesus Christ, who become then distracted. They, they, they give their hearts to Jesus. They begin serving him, but then they become distracted and their walk is not so much 
after a period of time, and sometimes it's a, it's a ways. I experienced this recently with someone, a friend of mine. Something came along and distracted them. Something came along and, and, and diverted them. Something came along and, and, and drew them away. And th- their walk then becomes not so much with Christ, but sometimes it's away from Christ. Their passion for something or someone else becomes paramount, becomes the greater focus. And they fail to go the distance. So while we have examples of one, we also have examples of the other who, who fail to go the distance. And, and, and what those persons could have been and how they could have eternally affected the lives of others is interrupted or it ceases altogether. And I have to tell you that, you know, I've experienced my degree of sadness. Some of you have experienced more, but I would have to say that some of my, my greatest periods of sadness in my life has been when someone who knew Jesus and followed Jesus and were passionate for Jesus loses their passion for Jesus. As a pastor, and for many of you, I'm your pastor, I want, I desperately want every person who begins following Jesus to grow in Jesus Christ. I have this passionate desire as a pastor to see every person become everything that God wants them to be, to to grow in Him, to mature in Him, to affect the people around them, and to not become a casualty on the journey. I want you to hear me on this. This is for some months leading up to this, and I know I'm sharing some things that I have before, but I, I feel like you need to hear it again, like we need to hear it again. Like maybe somebody listening to this later on needs to hear again. We're on a journey, but God wants you to finish the journey. And not just fall across the finish line, but to finish strong. Influencing the people around you. So how do we do it? All right, that's the question we've been asking. How, how, how do we do it? How, 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 what, what do we do that is going to make a difference in us going the distance? The last two weeks, I've invited and encouraged you to spend some time reading the Bible. I've encouraged you to read at least one chapter a day for four days during the week. At least one, one chapter a day for f- at least four days during the week. So that at the very least you will have gotten into God's Word, have, have encountered God's Word, and, and spent time in God's Word at least four chapters in one week. I've encouraged you to do that, especially if if that has not been your practice, especially if you have not gone to the Lord in in Bible reading. I encouraged you to do so because nothing else will make a greater difference. I, I, I say this again, nothing else, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to Him, if you've asked Him to come into your heart and forgive your sins and become your Lord and Savior, if you prayed that very simple prayer and and, and he began to dwell within you, there is no greater thing that you can do to help you grow in Jesus Christ 
than to spend time in God's Word. Now, for some of you, you're saying, God, did I do that? Well, that's good, but you know, there's a lot of, lot of people who don't. And, and so I've been encouraging you to do this. Nothing else, nothing else will more affect the eternal part of you, your spirit, than time spent in God's Word. That, that, that's going to affect you more than any of that. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that our faith comes from hearing God and hearing from the Word of God. What that simply means is this. Do you want to grow in faith? Then you have to spend time in God's Word. Do you, do you want to grow up in Christ? Do you want to become mature? Do you want to get to the place where you're not so easily pushed around? Then you need to, by the enemy, then, then you need to spend time in God's Word. I'm going to get strong here, so just prepare yourself. You know, I've referenced some people in our church, some passed away, who've read the Bible like 52 times, 31 times. There are some people who say they love Jesus, but they've never read through the Bible one time. Confession time. At age 18, I went to Bible college. I went to Bible college because my parents encouraged me to. They said, go there for one year and then you can do what you want. I went there. Two months into it, God called me into the ministry. I had read the Bible. I'd spent time in it. But you know, it wasn't until about age 19 that the Holy Spirit, one, one night in prayer, he, he was saying, you, there's something wrong with you. I was disturbed in my spirit, and I realized I'd never read the Bible. Now, in, in Bible college, in any college, right, uh, you, you spend a lot of time reading, and, and you, don't want to, you, just, you don't want to read any more than is necessary. But the Lord put it on my heart to read through the Bible, and, and I began to read just devotionally through the Bible. And, and, and God began to change me, and He began to grow my faith. So here I was, even a Bible college student, and I, preparing for ministry, God called me into ministry, I knew what I was doing, but I still had not read through the Bible. And some of you have been serving Jesus for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you've not read the Bible. And I encourage you, I strongly encourage you, and we're not going to have anyone raise hands, but if that's you, then, then that needs to change. You need to get into God's Word. As I shared before, there's going to be parts of it that are going to be a little bit more challenging than others, but I'll tell you what, it's all powerful. In these two weeks, many of you have taken up the invitation. You begin reading through the first book of the New Testament, through the book of Matthew. and you, Some of you have shared that with me. Man, I did it today. Or, or I see you, or I talk with you, and you go, man, I, God, God put it in my heart. I, I read the Word this morning, or I read it last night. I want you to do it again. Now, two weeks ago, I asked you to do that. Last week, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do it again. I want you to take this next week, and this week, read at least four chapters, on four, uh, one chapter at least four times every day, at least, at least during four days. And, and God will begin to do a powerful work in you. It will grow your faith like nothing else, the power of God's Word in you. Well, there's another practice. There's another practice or a discipline 
that we are called to do that grows our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, the Lord desires to grow us, and, and this discipline is, is prayer. It's prayer. Talking with God. As you read through the Gospels, as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four books of the New Testament that tell us the story of Jesus, the, the life and ministry of Jesus, you will often find Jesus praying. If you begin to look at it with those lens on, you'll see chapter after chapter where Jesus is found praying. You will find Jesus praying for other people. Like in Matthew chapter 9 where the Bible says that some, some people brought some children to him and he, he held them close and he put his hands upon them and he prayed for them. Prayed for them. Or like in John chapter 17 where it records that he went to the Father and he prayed for his disciples and then, this, this, is, this is absolute truth, Later on in chapter 17, John chapter 17, he also prayed for his future disciples. That means that he prayed for you. There, there, there's a prayer recorded in the Bible, John chapter 17, where he prayed for you, for future disciples. In Luke chapter 23, some of you are aware of this. In Luke chapter 23, the Bible says that Jesus prayed for those who were crucifying him, who'd put him on that cross. He prayed for them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And here's Jesus again and again, <clears throat> and there'll be many other examples. Where he's praying for, so he, he gives us this example to follow, to pray for people. <clears throat> In the Gospels, Jesus also prayed with people. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 says, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up on a high mountain to pray. He took them with him to pray. Later on, just before his crucifixion, <coughs> Jesus asked his disciples, the same guys, in fact, to remain with him and to pray with him. Jesus taught them the value of agreeing together in prayer. Did Jesus need that? Well, I think in some ways he did, but Jesus was showing them with his example. He showed them and then he taught them the value of praying together. Do you know the Bible says that where two or three gather together and agree on any one thing in his name, it shall be done. That there is an exponential work that is accomplished when we get together with someone else and we agree in prayer. We did this just a few moments ago. When someone steps forward and said, would you agree with me in prayer? And they say, would you pray for me? Well, actually, we're praying together. We're agreeing together that God will do a work that only He can do. There's something powerful when people pray together. So you have Jesus praying for people. You have Jesus praying with people, but even more than praying with others, the Bible says Jesus prayed alone and he prayed often. In fact, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, reads this way, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often 
withdrew to lonely places, to remote places, to alone places, if you will. He withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. You actually see this a lot in the Gospels. In, in all four of the Gospels, you'll see Jesus stealing away, if you will, and, and spending time with his Father alone in prayer. When Jesus' heart was heavy, and he had good reason for his heart to be heavy, when, he would, when, when that would be the case, he prayed. He would go off to his Father and he would pray. When the, when the enormity of people's problems when the uh, uh, enormity of people's concerns weighed heavily upon him, the Bible says Jesus would steal away and he would pray. When major decisions were to be made, the selection of his disciples, the Bible says that he prayed all night the night before. When he needed the comfort of his heavenly Father, Jesus prayed. When people were despairing and people were giving up hope and people were saying, it's all over with Jesus, the Bible says, prayed. I encourage you, some of you are reading through the, the book of Matthew, and I encourage you to be one of the, as you're reading through, look for the times in which Jesus prayed, and you will see it often, where Jesus would pull away from people, where he would pull away from the crowd, pull away from the demands, and he would spend time in prayer. I have a cell phone, a, a smartphone, many of you do as well. I have to tell you, I don't miss the landline at all. You know, we, we cut that off a couple of years ago. We don't have one of those anymore. And I do not miss that thing ringing. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Talking to my parents last night, and my, my dad said, mentioned something about the phone book. He said, look it up in the phone book. I said, who uses phone books anymore? I have a smartphone, and boy, that thing is demanding. Six o'clock this morning. That thing started lighting up. Text messages coming in. Oh, urgent. It'll do that throughout the day. It'll ring, or I always have it turned off, or it always vibrates. The thing's always just always vibrating. I'm starting to get a twitch in my left leg because I keep it right here. It's demanding. You're talking with someone, and all of a sudden, you pinch it and turn it off and deal with it later. Text message comes in, uh, uh, email comes in, uh, uh, set the alarm, bang, it goes. Isn't it interesting how, how those things will demand our attention and, 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 and yet, yet we, the, the importance of turning that off and saying, no, I won't respond to that. Instead, I'm going to go to him. Do you know that God will, God will not be quite that insistent in that kind of a way, but he longs to have time with us? And I have to be honest with you, again, I'm confessing up here this morning, but there are, there are times when I, I, am, I am more concerned about answering that than I am spending time with God. But I know that whatever is waiting me on that phone is not going to feed my spirit. I need what only He can give, and that can only happen when I spend time with Him. Jesus pulled away from the crowd. He didn't have a, a smartphone. He didn't have all of the technology. 
But he did what we need to do. We need to pull away from people. We need to turn all of the technology off. We need to steal away and spend time with the Father. And I'll tell you what, just as it did to Jesus, it will do to us. You see, when Jesus would do that, he would be renewed. He would be replenished. Yes, he's God, but he was also man, and there were things that drained him. People would come along and touch him, and power would go out of him. I believe the power was replaced as he would spend time with God. I know this about me. The demands of this life, the, the holes that get poked in and things drain out, so to speak, the demands of this world, they, they drain us, but I know this, when I spend time with God in the Word and in prayer, He puts back in what this world takes out. We need Him. We need Him. And it sustained Him, and it renewed Him, and it sustains us. There, there's a correlation between Jesus' prayers and His power. So, With all of that in mind, there's a question I want you to consider. You see, this is not simply a lesson on Jesus' prayers. This is not simply academic. This, This is not recorded here. These stories, these truths are not recorded here for posterity, but for our benefit. Jesus didn't go through all of that so that he could experience mankind. He did that so that mankind could experience God in a way that they could had never known before. It's recorded here for a purpose. And so my question to all of us, my question to all of us, and it's a hard question, is this. If Jesus regarded prayer as essential, why do we often treat it as optional? If Jesus, can you imagine, this man is a healer. He is a deliverer. No wonder it says that crowds, multitudes of Thousands of people would, no wonder. In one reference, it says there were so many people, they were stepping on the disciples to get to Jesus. With all of those needs around him, Jesus said, I'm going to turn them off, figuratively speaking. I'm going to say, hold to them so that I can spend time. If he regarded it as essential, then why do I why do you sometimes, why do we sometimes treat him, time with him as optional? If he needed it, boy, do I need it. There's, there's again a correlation between prayer and power. You want spiritual power? You want to grow in him? You want to, you want to come to a place where, where again the enemy does not push you around so easily, then you spend time in God's word and you spend time in prayer. I saw, saw a picture once and I couldn't find it. It was great. It's how, it says how, how I go into prayer and there's this picture of this, this weak kind of a lamb, sickly looking thing. You know, you've seen lambs like that, which you know, lambs die on and anything. You, know, you sneeze on them and they die. This lamb how I feel going into God's presence and then how I feel coming out of God's presence and here this, there's this strong lion. Well, I, know that's, I don't know if it's quite that way, but that's how I feel sometimes. I go into prayer and I'm like, oh, Lord, i just been beat up today. This is hard. Oh, these are some challenges. Oh, the, the, the needs of people. And I come out of prayer and I feel renewed. There's a correlation between prayer and power. Jesus didn't just model prayer. He took it. An important step further, 
He also taught his followers to pray. He didn't just model it, he taught them. He showed them and then he directed them. (laughs) I told you it was going to be a while. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. By the way, by the way, um, if you've been reading God's word, then one chapter at least four times a week, then this last week you would have read Matthew chapter 6. Three times here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus began statements with very similar words. At the beginning of verse 5, Jesus said, and when you pray. At the beginning of verse 6, he said, but when you pray. At the beginning of verse 7, he said, and when you pray. Now there's more to it. There's the statements that filled all of that in. But Jesus on these three statements in in one conversation, Jesus said, but when you pray, there was an expectation that his followers would pray. You won't find there, and if you pray, or when you consider praying, or if you have time to pray, or if you would like to pray, or I suggest you pray, it was, and when you pray pray. Remember, Jesus called these disciples. He didn't call them just, you know, follow along and watch what I do. He turned towards them and he said, you're going to pray. So when you pray, do this. The beginning of verse 9 reads this way. This then, or beginning with verse 9, this then is how, this then is how you should pray. This will be familiar to many of you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, give us today, our daily bread Forgive us our debts or our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We sometimes call this the Lord's Prayer. I think it's in Luke's Gospel that he adds something that he adds something that Matthew did not, and that is that Jesus actually said this in response to one of the disciples coming up to him and saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. They had observed him praying. They saw a correlation between his prayer and his power. They saw him in the midst of busy, incredibly busy times, slipping away, going off to a remote place, and spending time just with God. They observed this. They saw this man of prayer, and so they said, teach us to pray. 
And what you see before you is Jesus' response to that. They wanted what Jesus did. And Jesus told them, this is how you are to pray. And in one heartfelt prayer, it's all there on the screen, the entirety of it. This one heartfelt prayer, there was praise. There was a submission to God's will over our will. That's one of the hardest things that we can pray, by the way. Or the hardest things that we will pray. There's a request for provision. Lord, giving me what I need. There is a request for forgiveness. And for forgiving others, we often think only of the one. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. But also he said, and forgive us our debtors. Forgive, help us as we forgive those who've sinned against us. There's a request for protection from temptation. There is, there is a request for deliverance from the enemy and a declaration of victory. Here's this powerful prayer that he gave to us, this powerful template, if you will, this, this pattern. It was not meant to be quoted mindlessly. It was, it was not meant to be just turn on the switch, let it run, and then replay it. That's not his intent. It was never, this is the only thing that you are to pray, but rather he said, These are the elements that should be a part of prayer. So you know what this tells me? This tells me that praise is important. This tells me that when I come to him, I thank him for what he's done. I give him glory for who he is. It's an important part of prayer. This tells me that I can come to him and say, Lord, I want what you want more than what I want. Well, I need to pray that one all the time. You know why? Because there's a lot of things that I want. This tells me that I can come to him in prayer and request, and, and there's a big need, and I'm saying, Lord, I, don't, I can't do this, but I, I trust that you can. A, a, a prayer for provision and, and forgiveness. I'll tell you, there are times where, you know, you do something, you think something, you see something, you say something, and you say, Lord, forgive me. Let me just add something in here. Do you know one of the most powerful things you should ever do is, is, to, is to state, to enunciate your sin and call it for what it is. Lord, forgive me for the sin of gossip. Call it what it is. Forgive me for the sin of lust. And to say it out loud, that's one of the reasons, by the way, why you should go and pray alone <laughs> so somebody else doesn't hear it. But say it to him. Lord, forgive me. I'll tell you what, when you call it for what it is, and you call it sin, and you say, Lord, forgive me for the sin of, and then you fill in the blank, it can be very, very powerful. Don't do it at the top of your lungs, but say it out loud. Lord, forgive me. This was wrong. Forgive me for that stinky attitude that I have. Forgive me, Lord, for my cynicism. Forgive me, Lord, for fill in the blank. Call it what it is. Satan does not want you to do that. I, got, I promise you, the enemy does not want you to do that, but Jesus wants us to call it. Forgive us our sins and help me forgive those who sin against me. Lord, somebody hurt me. I give it to you. 
You ever have to pray that? I have about a thousand times. And so have you. Because people hurt us. We give it to the Lord. He gave this to us, again, not to be stated mindlessly, but as a pattern for prayer. That these things, these things that we see in this wonderful prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, the, 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 the things that we see here are things that can and should be brought before God in prayer. Bring them to the Lord. Have a conversation with God. Share with him your heart. He knows what's in your heart, but there's something. I'll share more on this the next time I bring a message, but I'm going to share more on this. But, but he knows what's in your heart, but he wants you to say it because there's power in saying it, because there's power in declaring it. Our words mean something, and when we come to God in prayer and we pour out our heart, he does something within us. You see, Jesus knew the threats. And he knew the hardships, and he knew the victories that were ahead of his disciples. He knows the victories and the threats and the hardships that are ahead of every one of us. He knows what's in your future. He knows what is ahead of you. He can see around the corner that you could never see around. And he, wants, he wanted them and he wants us connected to God in prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a good word. He wants us connected to God in prayer. He wants us to have such a relationship that we can go to him with anything. It was 28 years ago in July that I asked Joni, excuse me, that Joni became my wife. It's a date in our timeline. But the relationship that I have with my wife now is not because of a date back in 1990. It's because we have coffee now, and we talk now, and we go out on dates now, and we converse, and at the end of a long day, we sit and we talk and we download. You see, it's that communication. That's a human relationship your best friend, hopefully it's your husband or wife if you're married, but your best friend, you have a relationship with them, not simply because you have like interests or a common history. You have a relationship with them because you talk with them, because you converse together. And I promise you that if you stop talking to them, there are some friendships that will go on hold and will resume when you start talking, but there are some relationships that will immediately begin to disappear because you break communication. Listen, God is not going to forget about you, but if you want to grow in your relationship with Him, talk with Him. Pray. It's not something for just select people super spiritual people, people that have been serving Jesus for more than 15 years, if you came to him yesterday, then begin talking to him today. I want you to go the distance with Jesus. I want you to go the distance. Are you ready for the next spiritual attack from the enemy of your soul? Because it's coming. And when it comes, it's God's word and prayer that will bring us through that time. 
There is an attack coming. There is a spiritual attack coming. And if you don't have these things in place, then you may not go the distance. But if you have them in place, I'll tell you what, you're going to make it through that time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen to me. Are you ready for the societal assaults that will come against followers of Jesus Christ in the coming years? As deeper levels of evil are presented as being good, are you prepared? Are you ready for the societal assaults that are coming our way? For I want you to know that when those assaults come, may God's word and may prayer factor large in you surviving and thriving through those times. But I warn you, if you don't have it in place, if you're not spiritually strong enough, you might not go the distance, but you will go the distance if you are in the word and in prayer. These are not optional, they're essential. Are you ready for that phone call? Are you ready for that discussion? Are you ready for that, that unplanned event that will, from that day forward, mark your personal timeline between how your life was and how it now is? Are you ready for that call? Are you ready for that conversation? It might happen this week. But we, we encounter those times where we begin to mark time that was before that day or this is since that day. Some of you have had days like that. Well, that was before that. This is after that. Are you ready for that day? So that when that call comes, that conversation happens, that, that event occurs, are you going to make it through? Are you going to be able to go the distance? Are you going to be able to finish strong? Or will you become a casualty along the way? It is my prayer. And I know that it is God's desire that we go the distance, that we go the distance. <laughs> Leave that verse up there for a moment. Joni, would you come and, and some of the musicians as well? Now, there's some movement happening, but I want your focus here. Two weeks ago, I challenged you, some of you particularly, to begin reading the Bible consistently, at least four times a week. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and I, this may sound a little bit strange, but I'm going to ask you to do it. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6, and I want you to read verses 9 through 13, and I want you to pray that prayer. You're saying, come on, Really? Really? The Lord's Prayer? Now, if, if, you're, if you're consistently, if, if that, that time with Jesus is, is already a part of your life, then, then don't feel like you need to do this. But if it's not, I want you to do this. I want you to go and I want you to begin praying that prayer. It's a beginning. It has some powerful truths. Now, if one month from now, that's still all you're praying, we have a problem. 
But Jesus gave this to us for a reason. These are his words. It's mankind that has taken them and made them just mind-numbingly rote. One more thing. I do a lot of funerals and often at the graveside, I will lead people in the Lord's Prayer. Interestingly enough, those who are, say, 45 and older will quote it with me. Those who are younger stare off into space. They don't even know it, generally speaking. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad. It means that younger people are, not, are no longer memorizing this. Or maybe they're just already people of prayer and don't feel... But if you haven't, if you haven't been praying, if, if prayer is not a part of your life, you say, I don't even know how to start. I don't even know how to begin. Then I want you to start here. Would you do that? Start right there. God will begin to do something. And then branch it out and say, all right, Lord. And, and don't just say, forgive me my debts. Call the sin. And when you get to the part where, give me this day our daily bread, Give us today our daily bread. Don't, don't pray for bread. <laughs> pray for rent money. <laughs> or to make that bill or that mortgage payment. Begin to branch out. Have that conversation with God. Turn off the device. Turn off the background noise. Shut the door. Go off by yourself. Spend some time alone with Jesus. And I'll tell you what, you're going to come out and you're going to find there's a connection between prayer and power. I want you to stand with me, please. We're going to close our time. We're going to close our time. We're going to close it in praise. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to close in prayer. And, and these altars are going to be open. If you want to spend some more time just coming up and, 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 and nailing it down a little bit more for you personally, please do so. If you need to go, go. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these people. I ask, Lord Jesus, that now in these moments ahead, you would continue. Now as we leave this place in these moments ahead or in the hours ahead, I pray that when we leave this place, we will have know that we have heard from you. But Lord, the difference that it's going to make is not here as much as there. It's not at noon on a Sunday. It's at 6 o'clock on a Monday or 8 o'clock on a Thursday. It's going to be in the middle of the day, in the middle of an assignment. We just pull away and we say, I'm going to spend some time with, with you. Lord, make us people of prayer. We want to go the distance and we want to make a difference in people's lives along the way. This is our prayer this morning. So Lord, as we leave this place, as we come to these altars, as we continue to praise you, Lord, minister to us, minister through us by the power of your word, through the power of prayer, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you this morning. Let's sing this together. These altars are open. More power, more power.